I knew I should have taken it with Toyna Albuquerque. I don't know what it means. Why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. All righty then. Hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am Gamer Dude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories this week. Today I was thinking about some of the things that I used to do. Some things were just a normal part of existence. And one of the things that I was thinking about was Sunday mornings. I was thinking about getting up on Sunday morning and running out to get a cup of coffee and the Sunday paper. The Sunday paper was a fixture in my life. It was a fixture in my life mostly because it was a fixture in my dad's life. I remember when I was a kid, boy, the Sunday paper quest. We had to make sure to get to the stores early enough to make sure he got both Sunday papers. Yes, my dad read two Sunday papers. We had to get two every week. But boy, it was a huge thing. I mean, the regular paper every day, Monday through Friday, there was no Saturday paper. I mean, there was, but my dad didn't care about the Saturday paper. Apparently nothing big happened on Saturdays. But every other day, the paper was important. He had to have that newspaper. And Sundays especially. I'm not sure why, but it was huge. And because it was huge for him, it was huge for me. I remember when I was in college, I'd go out and get the paper. When I was a young adult, go get my coffee and paper. I was buying the Sunday paper every single week. It was just a thing. And now it's not. So today's stories are about things that were fixtures. Things that we did. Things that we just took for granted. Now I've talked about these things before, but there are so many of them. And as you get older, you realize how much has changed in your life. And that's really the point of the podcast, is to talk about the things that are different. The things that I grew up with that you didn't. The things that have changed. And you have to understand, newspapers were huge. It was the only source of news. Okay, yeah, there was radio, there was TV. But to really get the in-depth analysis, to really get the full story, you went to the newspaper. There was also weekly news magazines, Newsweek Time, U.S. News and World Report. And they did an okay job too, but you wanted that newspaper. So newspapers were huge. Every single day my dad got the newspaper. On Thursdays, he got two or three newspapers. He got the main newspaper, which in the town I grew up in was the Daily Record. We also had the Star Ledger. I don't know why he didn't like that one as much as the record. He would get that one if he had to. But he got the Daily Record every day. Now on Sundays, he would get the Star Ledger. The Star Ledger had more stuff on Sundays than the Daily Record. But he would buy both, but only on Sundays. Now Thursday, he would buy the Daily Record. He would also buy the Observer Tribune. And he would also buy the Hunterdon County Democrat, because those last two papers listed all of his auctions. Back in the day, the only way you could get auction listings was in the newspaper. They posted ads in the newspapers. And to make sure that he covered the whole region of auctions, my dad would buy all the newspapers. He didn't want to miss a trick, so he got every newspaper. And then Thursday nights, he'd sit in his chair. He'd have his little orange highlighter, or his little yellow highlighter, depending on the color of the week. And he'd go through the ads, and he'd circle the ones that he wanted. It was a ritual. It was the thing that he did. Now, the Sunday paper was also a ritual. Oh, it was a very detailed ritual. We read the front page, of course. The first section always had the news. There was a section on travel and leisure. There was a section on business. There was a section on entertainment and television. There was the sports section, of course. For me as a kid, the most important section, the comic section. Every Sunday they had four or five pages of comics. And as kids, the first section we wanted was the comics. And Dad would let us have the comics. He didn't care about comics. He needed the news. He needed the business. 
He liked the entertainment section because it would tell him what's coming up on TV this week, which is kind of me. Give me the entertainment section. I want to know what I'm watching this week. And then Dad would go through the paper in the appropriate order, as determined by Dad. Dad had his own order. I'm not sure what the order was, but he had to do it that way every time. And woe unto you if you messed up the paper before Dad got to it. Now, if Dad wasn't able or he wasn't going out on Sunday morning, it fell to us to pick up the newspaper for him so he'd have the paper. He preferred it early on Sunday morning, but if something was going on, he'd wait for us to come home from church. As is the case with most dads, he didn't go to church every week. So it would fall to us to pick up the paper. And we were schooled on what to make sure was in the paper. We couldn't just pick up the paper. Because when the papers got to the store, the store had to assemble it. It's a whole complicated process, and I never really put together the papers. I just saw them delivered on occasion. So I know they would have the late breaking news come the night before the paper went out. But the advertising sections and the entertainment sections, they would come out a couple of days beforehand. So there'd be two stacks of papers. And the people in the store would have to put together the new stuff and the old stuff into one Sunday paper. And the Sunday paper was huge. Just to give you an idea, when I was growing up, if you put the Star Ledger on your dining room table and measured how thick it was, it was probably an inch and a half, sometimes two inches thick. It would get thicker around the holidays because they'd put more advertising sections in there. Yeah, there were whole advertising sections in the newspaper. Every store would put out a flyer. Macy's, Toys R Us, JCPenney, Sears. Even the supermarkets would throw flyers into the newspaper. And that was one of the other things my dad wanted, all the advertising circulars. So the stores would put these together, but sometimes they would mess it up. They'd forget to put in that whole older news section, the travel section, the entertainment section, all the advertising circulars, so you wouldn't have the full newspaper. And if we dared bring home an incomplete newspaper, oh my God, we would never hear the end of it. I ask you to do one thing. You can't bring me a full newspaper. I'm sorry, Dad. Oh yeah, you didn't make that mistake very often. But because it was such an important thing to my dad, as I was growing up, it became an important thing to me. Now, I've always liked to be informed anyway, so I always liked the front page section. I always read the first section of the newspaper. When I was growing up, sports was far more important to me than it is now or than it ever was to my dad. So the sports section was also always important. I had to have the sports. Travel and leisure, entertainment, I read all of those sections. But Sunday mornings were devoted to reading the Sunday paper. It's just what we did. You'd sit there on the back porch. You'd sit there at the dining room table. You'd sit there in the living room. You'd have your cup of coffee. And you'd page through the paper. And you'd read the headlines. You'd want to know what's going on in the world. You'd see what specials are coming up on TV. They'd feature travel destinations that you're never going to. You would get the latest box scores from baseball or the matchups for Sunday's football games. Because don't forget, you got the Sunday paper before the football games were played. So every Sunday, you had the previews of what was coming up that day. And when I was really into football, I loved the Sunday previews. Oh, what shall I be looking for? I mean, that's why you read the paper every day anyway. They would have previews every day on the sports teams, the player trades, the prospects, the standings. Everything sports-related was something that I was super interested in. And when I was growing up, the best way to get it, really the only way to get it on a current basis, was in the newspaper. We're so used to just clicking on Twitter, clicking on Google News, going to Yahoo News, just clicking on the internet and typing in, what are the Yankees doing? Or just New York Jets football. And you get all of the news stories you could want. You can type in breaking news and get headlines from every place that you could think of with what they each consider to be breaking news. But when I was growing up, news was in the newspaper. 
If it was breaking news, they would break into a TV broadcast and let you know something major was going on. And when I was a kid, something major really meant something major. I mean, breaking news when I was a kid wasn't Joe Biden's dog bites a Secret Service agent. That's not breaking news. That's page 10 filler in the newspaper. Nobody cared about that stuff. Breaking news was an invasion of another country. Breaking news was the Challenger shuttle exploding. Breaking news was the 1993 World Trade Center bombing. Those are all breaking news stories. Breaking news is not Billie Eilish is on the cover of Vogue. You know how you tell Billie Eilish is on the cover of Vogue? You buy Vogue next month. But that's just one of the changes of perspective of society these days. But before I go down that track, let me circle back to the newspapers. I spent every Sunday morning reading newspapers for literally years. Reading my sports, reading my travel and leisure, reading my entertainment, reading my front page, and yes, reading my comics. I always read my comics. You can't read the Sunday paper without reading the comics. And yeah, of course, checking out the advertising circulars, in case you were going to the store. Wanted to know what Kmart had on sale, or JCPenney, or Sears, or whoever. Do I miss the newspapers? Kind of. Reading the newspaper made you sit still. If you wanted to sit down and have a leisurely Sunday morning, reading the Sunday paper was a perfect excuse. You had to open it up, you had to sit down, you had to spread it out on the table, and it took time, you had to page through it. There were several hundred pages of the Sunday paper. Now, a lot of it was advertising, but you still had to page past the advertising to get to the stuff you wanted to read. So I kind of do miss the experience to a point. I mean, we've since replaced it. I'll scroll through my phone. I'll look at my Google News feed. I can still find out what's going on. I still like to be informed. It's just different. And you can basically do that anywhere. When you were doing the Sunday paper, you needed a place to spread out and set up. It was a whole thing. So I kind of miss that aspect of it. But the thing that I don't miss... If you've never spent time reading newspapers, newspaper ink never dries. So if you're reading the newspaper and you spend a half an hour, even 15 minutes paging through it, you'll notice that you have black ink on your fingers. That's from the newsprint. So when you were done with the Sunday paper, you had to go wash your hands. Don't touch anything white. That's one of those little things that you forget about because you don't do it anymore. And it's one of those little things that some people will never experience because they never read newspapers. There's another thing that we used to have. This isn't a personal thing as much as a business thing, but it was everywhere. It's the fax machine. Now, some places still have fax machines, and you can still fax documents, but the fax machine is one of those things that's just going to disappear one day because we don't really need it. You can scan a document and email it to somebody in less time than it takes to dial the fax number. Even if you have the fax number on speed dial, you can still attach the document to an email quicker. But you have to put yourself in a mindset where email didn't exist. There used to be a time where the only way to get a document from me to New York City was to mail it. You had to put it in an envelope, put a stamp on it, drop it in the mail. Or if it was really, really important, you could hire a courier to take it. Otherwise, you were stuck waiting for the post office. The fax machine eliminated that. Now, you may not have ever used a fax machine because they're already becoming very rare. But with a fax machine, you would feed the document into the fax machine, and it would scan the document. And then you could dial the number of the other fax machine, and it would ring through to the fax machine. And your fax machine would send an image of the document that you scanned to the other fax machine. Now, the early fax machines were based on some kind of thermal paper technology. So early faxes, you didn't have what has become the norm, the plain paper fax machine. Old fax machines had a roll of thermal-type paper, and I don't mean it's hot. It was heat-sensitive, 
I don't pretend to know how the system worked. I just know that it had some kind of thermal component to it. So when you sent your document, the receiving fax machine had a roll of paper in it and would print out the fax using some kind of heat technology. And early faxes would always be kind of like on a scroll of paper. They would curl up because it was a very thin paper. And because it was on a roll, it would curl naturally. And I remember getting faxes at work and having to put paperweights on the corners so they wouldn't curl up so you could read them. But this was an innovation. We'd never had anything like that. Instant document transmission. The fax machine was a glorious invention. If you were in any kind of business and needed to get documents from point A to point B, the fax machine was a godsend. You saved postage. You saved courier fees. And then, when they finally developed plain paper fax machines, oh, what an innovation. But even with the curling up, scrolly type papers... The fax machine was huge. And now, the fax machine is largely obsolete. You just don't need it. Now, some places still use them, but I'm telling you, within the next 10 years, we probably won't be able to find a fax machine anywhere. And there's really no use for them. Now, the fax machine reminds me of the mimeograph machine. The mimeograph machine was something that they used in schools. Now, I don't know the technology behind it. I don't know how it really worked. But I know that every school had a mimeograph machine. And I know the teachers would prepare their tests. There'd be an original test. And then somehow it was on the mimeograph machine. And that's how they made multiple copies. They didn't have a copy machine. They had the mimeograph machine. Copiers existed, but they were so expensive back then. But the mimeograph machine, some were electric, some were hand cranked. But it would crank out multiple copies of whatever document you put in it. And when I say put in it, you had to have an original typewritten document. I think they used something like a carbon paper, which I've talked about in the past, because the mimeograph machine would duplicate what was on this carbon-type paper, and it always printed out in purple ink. Tests were not in black and white. They were in purple. That's just the natural color of the mimeograph machine. Every school that I ever went to, every handout that I ever got, if they used the mimeograph machine, it was purple ink. And if you were lucky enough to get a fresh copy off the mimeograph machine, there was this scent to it. The mimeograph fluid, I don't know what that was, but the ink and the solvent and the transfer fluid and whatever they used to make mimeograph copies had a distinct and very pleasant odor. And if the teacher had just finished running off the tests, you could go, oh yeah, that's a fresh test. The test itself might be a bear. It might be the hardest test you've ever taken, but at least you had that brief moment of, oh, the lovely mimeograph ink smell. I haven't seen a mimeograph machine in forever. I don't even know if they still exist. But they were fixtures when I was in school. Something else that was a fixture when I was in school? The chalkboard. We were actually talking about this a little bit in the stream the other night. A lot of schools these days, if not most of them, use these big white erase boards where you have the dry erase markers. But when I was growing up, no such thing existed. The only thing we had at the front of the classroom was a big chalkboard. And the only thing you could use on it was chalk. Basically white chalk on a black chalkboard. That was it. At some point during my educational history, they invented yellow chalk. I mean, maybe it always existed, but we didn't get it until I was in middle school. And the advent of yellow chalk was groundbreaking for us. Ooh, yellow chalk. It sounds silly, but it was stuff like that that was really kind of cool to see. Oh, we have white chalk, we have yellow chalk. Wow. What can I tell you? It was a simpler time. But I also remember for the chalkboard, they had the special line drawer. If you know anything about music and musical staffs, there's five straight lines in a musical staff. And they are evenly spaced. 
And the only way you can represent music is on a musical staff. You have to put notes on the appropriate lines or in the appropriate spaces. And yes, from my musical background, every line corresponds to a note. E, G, B, D, F. And I know that because I remember every good boy deserves fun. And every space denotes a note. F, A, C, E. Face. That stuff was drilled in my head at a young age, and it's still there. But in order to write notes on the blackboard, you had to draw a musical staff. Now, of course, you can just draw five lines freehand, but it's never as pretty as if you do it with the special line drawer. It looked kind of like Wolverine's claw. That's the only thing I can think of to describe it. It was a piece of wood that had five metal holders fastened in it. And the holders were about three inches, four inches long. And each holder fit a single piece of chalk. And the holders were spaced about an inch apart. So the whole thing was about five and a half, six inches long and three or four inches tall. And you could put chalk in each of the holders. And then if you wanted to draw a musical staff on the blackboard, you would put your chalk in and go up to the blackboard and just draw across it. And you had five equally spaced lines. Perfect for music composition. This is, of course, back in the days when we actually had music class in school. I know not everybody does anymore, but music was a standard fixture when I was growing up. You had to have music class. You had to. It wasn't an option. You had to have art class, too. And in music class, you had to learn the notes. That's why we had the line drawer. But those are a couple things that you don't see anymore. You don't see chalkboards, you don't see chalk, and you don't see line drawers. I know, it seems so quaint, right? Here's another thing that'll probably seem quaint. Do you remember the GPS navigation systems? Now, I'm not talking about typing in the address on Google Maps or using MapQuest, or using Waze, or asking Alexa how to get someplace. Long before any of these things existed, there were a couple of companies. One was named TomTom, which was the better of the two. The other was named Garmin, and they put out GPS navigation systems. And it would locate where you were and give you directions to get to where you wanted to go. Not spoken directions, it would just show up on your screen. You could type in the address. It was a little screen, kind of like a very basic smartphone, and you would type in your address, and it would give you directions on how to get there. Now, the directions were mostly accurate. It would get you in the neighborhood, because don't forget, it was dependent on satellite navigation, so it would take you the best possible way it could figure out how to get there, given the information it had. But this was a standalone device, all by itself. You didn't have it in your phone. It wasn't an app. It was just a device. You could get it for hiking. You could mount it in your car. And a lot of people came to depend on these devices, which basically are irrelevant now. We don't need them. But I remember shopping for them because I wanted my dad to have one. He was always driving about looking for his auctions. I didn't want to take any chances that he'd get lost in the hills of Pennsylvania somewhere. So I researched, as I usually do. I researched everything. I looked at Garmin. I looked at TomTom. And one of his presents one year was a TomTom GPS navigation system. And it worked great for the time. And it was a big thing. And he was so happy to have that stupid little thing. Now, a GPS navigation system on its own, you don't need it. It's built into your car. It's in your phone. All you have to do is ask Alexa. Another thing that's basically obsolete these days is the parking meter. I've talked about parking meters in the past. It used to be you'd pull up to the corner or you'd pull up to the curb. If you wanted to park your car in a city street, you had to have a dime or a couple of nickels or a quarter or whatever the meter took and buy the time that you were going to park there. A half hour for a quarter, 15 minutes for a dime, whatever it was. I haven't seen an actual parking meter in a long time. What the cities have done now is they have these little kiosks on any street where you can park, and they take your credit card, they take your debit card, 
And what you have to do is you have to feed your card into the machine, predict how long you're going to be there, punch in the time that you want, and they charge you for it and give you a little receipt that you then have to put on your dashboard. And you have to be back before the time on the receipt expires. So if the receipt says expires at 1.12, you got to be out of there at 1.12. And if you don't go buy the little receipt, then they give you a ticket for not paying for your parking. The parking meter itself, I mean, it wasn't a great thing. It wasn't a bad thing. It was just a thing. It was a fixture in every city. It was a fixture in many towns. And they're just on the way out. It's tough to find them anymore. Don't get me wrong. You still have to pay for your parking. You just do it a different way. Just like with the navigation, you still need to navigate, you just do it a different way. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying this is a good thing or a bad thing, it's just the way things have evolved with time. It's much easier for the city to maintain one kiosk where they take your credit card than to maintain a hundred parking meters up and down the main street. I get it, and I guess the idea of a parking meter is kind of quaint, but it's one of those things that I grew up with that I kind of miss. I know, I'm an old dude. I don't mean this to sound like, ah, back in my day... It's just things change, and I notice. So I figured I'd tell you about some of those changes. That's what I'm here for. As is usually the case, I've only scratched the surface of things that are obsolete, or things that are mostly gone. I have a list, and you can bet we'll be returning to it. A couple of items I was going to mention very briefly on our way out today, both related... They're not really obsolete yet, but they're definitely on their way out. Wrist watches and alarm clocks. I love watches. I wear watches all the time. I love the way they look. For whatever reason, I love looking at my wrist and knowing the time. It's just a thing that I do. But wrist watches, while people sometimes still wear them, so many people rely on their cell phone for the time or don't care what time it is. Now, yes, there's Apple watches, which is supposed to be basically an iPad on your wrist. I know, they do other things with it, but they're just selling you Apple products. And yes, you can tell the time on it, I know. But I'm talking the Timex takes a licking and keeps on ticking old school analog watch. I love my watches, but they are slowly fading. They are used more as an accessory than a functional timepiece. People buy watches because they look cool, not because they want to know what time it is. I actually buy watches because I want to know what time it is. And the other thing that I buy because I want to know what time it is, is an alarm clock. That's the other thing that's not obsolete yet, but it's on its way out. Why? Smartphones again. So many people rely on their smartphone to wake them up, either to an alarm or to music. Yes, you can still buy alarm clocks, and yes, I still do. And yes, I prefer the alarm clock, but that's because I'm an old dude. I like having my clock by my bedside table. I like cursing at it when it goes off. Yes, I set alarms on my phone. Yes, I do. But I don't use it to wake up to. I have my electric alarm clock for that. I prefer the electric alarm clock. What can I tell you? But I'm also telling you, the electric alarm clocks, they're dying out. They're going to be harder to find as the years go by because people rely on their cell phones. I'm not sure they'll ever completely disappear, but considering how many people I know who rely on their cell phone for their alarm, I really think the alarm clock stays are numbered. Anyway, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being here. As always, I appreciate the time that you spend here and the time that you take to listen to the podcast. You guys take care of yourselves, and I'll see you when I see you.